It comes to other people. Have you ever noticed the abilities and talents they may have or like just their good looks or anything for that matter and think, oh, I wish I was them. Or how about this question? Have you ever wished that it didn't work out for someone else? Ooh. I know that's probably hard to admit, but I know I've experienced that before. Actually hoping that it doesn't work out as well for them as it does for me. I know it sounds terrible, and I'm sure nobody's ever thought that but me. Why do we do that? At first glance, the easy answer is jealousy, and I think that's correct, but it's not the complete answer. You know, I believe we would spend a lot less time looking at what others are doing if we had lives that were doing something themselves. And I believe we would find ourselves less inclined to look over our shoulders if we knew how to genuinely celebrate others. In chapter 10 of Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, in the, the title chapter is called Eyes on Him, I share a story about how God used one of my favorite verses to help me see this in myself. And uh, I believe the answer to being content with who God made us to be comes from a love for Jesus. How? Well, Jesus will tell us. His thoughts and more on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. recently on a road trip because we were tired of being in our house for 5,000 years due to the COVID-19. So we basically stayed inside of an RV for, I think, four nights, five days. And we went to Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and back home. It was so good. So good. Um, I've never driven an RV before or been on a road trip like that. It was awesome. I highly recommend it. Um, it was just cool. We we went on a website called Outdoorsy, which is basically like a Airbnb for motorhomes, which is awesome and way cheaper. We uh we just had a just good time as a family, and uh, it was good to be away. It was good to spend time together. Um, and we went so we went to Zion National Park in Utah out of this world. We went to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we, we heard that they were only opening the south entrance on, on a Friday between the hours of 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. And then if you got in at that time, you could stay till sunset, but that was how long they were going to do it. So we like, we rushed there. And when we got there, it was just us. So just my family in the Grand Canyon. So good. Um, the first place, though, we went to was Great Basin in Nevada. Now, this was really closed. So we just went up to one of the hikes. I don't know if it was open or closed, but we did it. And as we hiked, I noticed something going on between my kids. And this wasn't the first time I'd ever seen this, but I really watched it playing out. Um, on this hike. And so as they're hiking, they're in this constant battle to be in the front. Have you experienced this before? So like at first it looks like they're all just goofing around 
having fun. But then I can begin to see that there's this serious battle to be in the front of the pack as we're hiking along. So my wife and I are in the back, and it's my kids who are nine, eight, and four, and they're all trying to get in front of each other on this hike. So as my wife and I watched, and as I've reflected, because I felt like the, the Lord brought it back to my memory for our time here today, there's a few things I noticed. When you're battling for the front, uh, certain things happen. So battling for the front, you increase the speed of the hike. So as they were trying to be in front, it like it increased the overall speed of our hike. Now, a hike, well, people are so into hiking now, I guess. I guess people have always been into hiking. I mean, I don't actually, I don't know. Are people into hiking? I mean, seems like people are more into hiking than ever before, partly because of Instagram. And it's like, I don't know if that counts. And then partly now, I think, because people are closed up in their homes. But anyway, my definition of why you would want to go on a hike, which I'm not really a hiker, it would be to basically enjoy it, right? Well, when you're trying to get into the front with kiddos, I mean, it just makes the hike go really fast and we're like getting tired. (laughs) All right, so that was the first thing I noticed. Second thing is it increases the danger level. When you're trying to battle them for the front, it increases the danger level. So this hike we were on in Great Basin, it was really high up there, and I think it was about 8,000 feet, and it's um, a narrow path, but it's on the side of a cliff, but the, the rock is like, oh, man, now I'm forgetting what it's called, but really slick, like it looks like slate almost, like jagged and really flat pieces, and you're slipping and sliding all over the place. Well, you really don't look at those things when you're trying to get to the front, and so my kids were just risking it all uh, to be in the front of this this hike. Uh, a couple other things I think is it, it takes it took away from the scenery. I my I could tell that my kids they weren't looking around. And if you're a parent, then nothing is more frustrating than when your kids don't do exactly what you had according to your plan in your mind, right? Like you take them on a hike, as you're driving up there, you're like, this is this hike. It's going to change them. They're going to they're gonna think back one day on their father, and they're going to go, my dad was so awesome for taking me on that hike. It was so beautiful. It, it got me in touch with my uh, relationship with nature. No, pfft, no. All they're trying to do on this darn hike is get to the front of the line. <laughs> oh, so annoying. And it's just take away from the scenery. Like they're missing all of it. My wife and I are like, whoa, kids, look at this. And they're like, honestly, they don't want to look because if they look and the other two don't look, they're going to lose their spot in the front. Absolutely ridiculous. And I think it caused more fatigue because they're just constantly, you know, trying to get to the, to the front. Now, I want to come back to that hike in a minute and, and talk about a little more, but first I want to read to you one of my favorite passages because it has to do with this. And, uh, this passage of scripture has been big in my life. Um, is it, is it fair? Can you have a favorite scripture? 
I mean, people say they have favorite scriptures. It's just, I don't know. Is that possible? What does that mean about the other scriptures? I don't know. This is definitely one of my favorite scripture. And uh, in chapter 10 of my book, I talk about how this scripture really came to life when I was in Israel, on the Sea of Tiberias, Galilee, and uh, which is where John 21 takes place. So in John chapter 21, if I didn't say that already, uh, John chapter 21, this is a story where Peter and John and they're, they're out there fishing in the boat and Jesus reappears to them after his resurrection. And, uh, he's, he, he, uh, I'm not going to read this part, but he's like, have you caught anything? Which is, you know, the most annoying question to be asked if you're a fisherman, because there's most likely you haven't. And they're like, no. And he's like, cast your net on the other side. And then Peter really recognizes that it's him. My favorite part about that is Peter jumps in the water to swim back to shore, but the others just stay in the boat and paddle in which gives me the impression that they beat Peter in. That's just, that's just like a good picture of Peter. Anyway, picking up in John chapter 21, verse 15, this is the conversation of reestablishing Peter in the fold of God and as a disciple, especially because he denied Christ. Listen to it in verse 15. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So it's a lot of significance there for Peter. Peter has, to, has been living with himself up, up at this point, just about denying Christ three times. I'm sure the weight of that guilt and shame was terrible. And Jesus in his, in his grace and his mercy reestablishes Peter, which is so like our God, not intimidated by the things we've done, even the worst things. Uh, we often look at these disciples as heroes. And my wife and I were talking about scripture this week. The Bible is a book that is basically an entire collection of broken people being used by God to bring healing to a broken world. Picking up in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me, exclamation point. Now, I know that most of us think of Jesus as this free-floating, like, soft person with hair that's always blowing in the wind, even if there is no wind. That's just how magical it is. And he's just, you know, like this otherworldly, always saying nice things, but that just doesn't really match the Jesus of Scripture. 
Peter especially would know this. He always seems to be able to bring out the harsh lessons from Jesus. Have you noticed this? I mean, just read scripture. Jesus is rebuking Peter left and right, the poor dude. And this is a rebuke. I think Peter was an insecure person. I do. Unsure of himself. I think it's of no coincidence that Peter is the person that Jesus says two very massive identity statements to. One, in the beginning of their time together, says, you're not going to be a fisherman anymore. You're going to be a fisher of men. It's an identity statement. And the second two is after Peter confesses who Christ is, Christ says, I'm going to build my church upon you. Those are identity things. And Peter needed reminding of his value and his worth. Insecure people make bold claims to fill the gaps of their insecurity. And I, and I think insecure people make vows about themselves that they not may be able to keep. And we see both of those from Peter. And I can relate. I'm an insecure person. Uh, this has always been the case in my life. Comparison, wanting not to just be the best, but be better than the next person. I mean, you may not see it in Peter's question right away. In John 21, like when he says, Lord, what about this man? You may read that and go, he's just asking, you know, Jesus, Jesus, like maybe calm down a bit. He was just, just asking about him. But you can tell from Jesus in his answer that he knew what was going on in, in Peter's heart. Because he flat out says back to Peter, what's that to you? Like, have you ever even said that back to someone before? Somebody asks you a question and you go, what's that to you? I mean, there's only one <laughs> you know, type of emotion that's really stands behind those words, and that's kind of frustration. It, you know, what's that to you? Why are we so concerned with what others have in comparison to what we have? I'm not asking to be like cliche. I'm I actually want to know. Like why why? What why are we so concerned with what others are doing in comparison to what we are doing? And how do we get there? And how do we get away from it? I have some thoughts on that, but let's go back to the hike with my kiddos. As they're battling for the front, right? Which is kind of what we're doing. It's what Peter's doing here. Well, okay, Peter straight up just heard Jesus reestablish him and forgive him and and call him. And the, some of the first things out of his mouth are asking about, well, what about this person? I mean, that is, that is just inside the human heart. And uh, I think you see it here. He's, he's moving things. He wants things to move along fast, right? He, uh, he's grieved when Jesus is asking. And it's just like the kids, it's just reminding me of my kids trying to get in the front of the line. Like, yeah, 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 I love you. I love you. You know I love you. Let's go. And Jesus is like, no, there's a process. I have something for you, but there's a speed in which I want to go. There's things I want you to see. I, 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 I don't, this, this hike that we're on, is this life journey is not about how fast we get through it. There are things that Christ wants us to see. Um, just like I wanted my kids to be able to see some things on the hike and, and, and also miss the danger level. You know, uh, Peter walks right back into some of his old brash ways, you know, like, well, what about him? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. If I want to do, he, he, he exaggerates to make the point clear to Peter. If I want him to stay alive, basically, until I come back, what's that to you? He's basically saying, even, hey, Peter, even if I want him to never die, what's it to you? 
you're gonna, it's not going to make you mad. You can be jealous. And it goes on to say that's why there was a rumor that John would never die. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He was speaking to Peter about his own heart. And, uh, you know, and, and I think we do this. And when it comes to comparison, it, when we compare ourselves to others or we're trying to be better than other people, we're going to push this journey faster than I think the Lord's meant it to go. We're going to miss things. It's going to take away from the scenery. It's going to cause way more fatigue in our life, and it's going to be a lot more dangerous. We're going to be a lot less aware of the things um, that really should be getting our attention, which is mostly things about ourselves. I want to read from page 174 in Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, because I was talking about this in the context of worship a lot, and I thought I'd read that here. It says, I've missed my opportunities to be led in worship because instead of engaging in worship, I succumb to critiquing my fellow artists while all along watering a seed of jealousy. I found that sometimes being the best has come at a cost of being my best. I've seen in my life that when I wanted to be the person people knew, I became less of the person Jesus made. The more attention, the more my attention was on who others were and not on who Jesus made me to be, the further from Jesus I became. I don't think Jesus wants me to be that type of best because that type of best makes me my worst. <laughs> That's still, still really true when I read that. So here's how Jesus helped me with this, and then we'll be done. Three, three quick things, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is just for me. Three ways I think Jesus helped me to keep my eyes on him and not what others have and what others are doing and who others are, really. The first one, I think, is um, he's reminding me that I need to celebrate others and praise others for what they're doing, just to give compliments and to, when you, when you feel that, that, that trickle in on your heart of wanting what someone else has or watching them be successful and wishing you had it, make it known that you think what they're doing is great. And that's really helped me. Um, it's almost like when you have an enemy or you're offended, you pray for that person. It's kind of like that. And uh, man, just take time to celebrate people uh, who are better than you at things and learn from them, but celebrate them. It'll, it'll do your heart good. Second one is enjoy the journey and keep a journal because we have amnesia. I think many times when I am focusing on what others have or who others are or what they're doing, it's because I've completely, completely forgotten all the amazing things God has done in my life. This person, Peter, who is just, I mean, who's walking with the resurrected Lord. Wow. He's walking with the resurrected Lord. He is reestablished into ministry and into the fold of God. and, And then he turns and looks at somebody else. I mean, this is the same guy who walked on water with Jesus. Nobody else did that. Just Peter. And when we get this way, when we take our eyes off Christ and we put it on other people and what they have and and start start deciding for ourselves whether or not they should have it or not because they're this and they're that and we're this and we're that, man, the enemy is just erasing our memories. But if we would just enjoy this journey and keep a journal... When we get into these moments, we can go back and read and reminisce about the wonderful things God has done. And the reason why he's done them in the past is because he's done, at, at, at some point, our past was our future, right? It hadn't happened yet. 
And there's still things that come in our life too. And it helps us to, to stay in the lane of, you know, um, humility, but also looking to the, the father of lights. And the last thing is, um, stick very close to Jesus because he has something specific f- for me, right? Like Peter, come walk with me. That's what Jesus says. And he talks to him. No, 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 no. And then he gets off. Worried about John. No, stick close to me. Listen, friends, if you have a boring life, that's not on, that's not on God. That's on you. That's on me. If I wake up in the morning and my life is boring or there's nothing happening, man, that's just me deciding that it's that way. But the Lord, a walk with the Lord is, is full of adventure and risk and an amazing blessing, but it actually requires a choice to actually walk with the Lord. And I think many times we look at other people's lives because deep down inside, we're sad about the type of life we're living. And man, the Lord wants to change that. I mean, he just says to us over and over in scripture, through stories, through actual commands, to come to him. And uh, the, the type of life that he wants to give, he says in John 10, 10, is full. I mean, full. And I want that. And when we stick close to Jesus and we let him speak to who we are, we're not going to have time to think about those other things because we're on a journey with him. I've often wondered how many people God wanted to use and speak to, but they just didn't listen. You know, like Abraham, God spoke to him, but Abraham listened. I mean, I wonder how many people aren't in the story of God in the Bible because they said no, and that was it. I don't want to be that guy. If Peter can literally be walking with Jesus and miss him altogether, then so can I and so can you. And I don't want to rush things or miss the beauty of the journey trying to be the best. And I don't want to hurt myself or others in the process. I want to follow Jesus and allow him to guide me into who he made me to be. And when we spend time investing in our relationship with God, he invests time into making us the best version of ourselves. He made us. He knows how we were designed and who we were made to be. And Time spent with Jesus means time spent becoming a person of purpose. I highly recommend you go and read John chapter 21. It's a, it's a really wonderful passage. It's an amazing blessing to be able to go back and hear these conversations. Um, but let's not deify uh, the disciples, right? Like they were people just like you and I. We can find a lot of encouragement in that, and I hope you do. Uh, man, I, I have some other stories in chapter 10. I, if you haven't picked up the book, please go buy Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader. Um, chapter 10 special to me. God did some great things. So um, please pick it up. Go to jordanabian.com. You can buy it there and I'll sign it and I'll write a note to you. Um, subscribe to jordanabian.com. I have a bunch of stuff coming out that I really want you to be a part of. So thankful for all the book club signups. It's not too late. Uh, just click on book club on jordanabian.com and get signed up and we'll meet together. Um, so as we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder on the front lines together. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. I'll see you there.